I'm so happy to be with you. Um, I, I recall with fondness the first time I met Evie, 1971, in Oak Forest. Yeah, that goes way back. A lot of familiar faces. I appreciate that. But a lot of my friends, brethren from Calvary Baptist Church of Oak Forest, uh, which became Oak Forest Baptist Temple and then became Heritage Baptist Church, are in glory. And that's where we are heading, right? In glory with them. And uh, um, my coming to the, uh, has a twofold purpose. One is to thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your support. I was ordained here by uh, your church in 1972, uh, August 25th, 1972, five years after I stepped down a plane that brought me from Luxembourg to uh, Minneapolis. So I was commissioned by uh, your church to establish Bible-believing Baptist Church in France, and that's what we've been doing. From uh, the northeastern part of France, known as Alsace-Lorraine, to all the way to Normandy, uh, coming across the Paris area, we've started churches by God's grace. That my, my purpose is to thank you. Thank you for what you've been to us. You've been good. You've prayed. You've supported us. We have... Uh, Together, we have prayed over some major battles, haven't we, uh, that took place here, that took place on the mission field. But uh, I want to express, express thanks to you. My, uh, my second purpose is to show God's faithfulness. Uh, if we were for 50 years on the mission field, on the front line, it's not because of our faithfulness. It's because God has been faithful to his promises. He has never let us down. Never. So in the passage that was read, I want to take just a little uh, uh, portion, uh, starting with verse 23. Uh, Paul talks about the gospel, and he says, Whereof I, Paul, am made a minister who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Now, in this text uh, I just read, there are words which disturb many people, including Christians. Sufferings, afflictions. Sufferings, affliction. A lot of people think that when they become Christians, Christians, they're, they're no longer going to be subjected to sufferings or afflictions. And it is a fact 
A modern, perverted approach to Christianity recoils at such perspective as, as personal sufferings for others and even shun personal acceptance of Christ-like afflictions for the sake of the church. Seek no further cause behind the vanishing of ministries on one hand and the weak existentialist presentation of the gospel on the other hand. What a contrast, what a contrast there is with New Testament saints. Let us for a moment focus our attention upon the Apostle Paul, who wrote the words we just read. To fulfill the word of God which had been committed to him, Paul genuinely, genuinely, sincerely rejoiced even in imprisonment. Remember the scene in Philippi when he was in a dungeon and, uh, and prayed and sang during the night? Uh, and whenever and wherever necessary, he paid a high price of sufferings to glorify God in the sinful world of his days. If you think our days are not good, I, I can take you back to the first century where Paul had his ministry and you would discover that it was very unpleasant to be a Christian then and to serve there. Paul drew strength from the fact that God had called him to uh, handle a divine charge God had told them to be the, the apostle to the Gentiles, to the nations, and to, and to accomplish a foundational missions. And that's crucial. We, God has given us all something to do, locally and perhaps elsewhere. But God is, does not expect Christians to sit quietly in the pews and just listen to Messengers preach one after the other. We are there to serve Christ. We are there to reflect Christ. I remember at the outset of my Christian life, back in April of 1966, uh, Paul, the servant, uh, as I read the scriptures, you know, the first year, of my after my salvation, I read the scriptures three times and, and, and just discovered the, one, the wonderful truth that God had transmitted to us. But uh, to, Paul became an instant model for me uh, because of his commitment, because of his faithfulness, because of his consecration. And to the amazement to some of my friends, the Spirit of God led me already then to choose uh, the truth of Second Timothy chapter two verses three and four has my life verses as my life motto: "Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ." No man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. Marvelous grace of God, such guidelines sustained my faith, sustained me through 50 years of ministry. Now, make no mistake, again, what is shared with you this morning is not 
about God, uh, God's servant. It's about God's faithfulness to his servant. Not only did these verses in 2 Timothy chapter 2 immediately appear at the closing of my letters, the prayer letters, my business letters, every letter that I have written, you, you would find Christ's servants and yours, and then my name, and then uh, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. These verses not only appeared on my letters, but they, uh, they, grounded, they grounded my motivations, they grounded my decisions, they grounded all my actions. When, when, I, see, when I read those scriptures, it's, it says, Bernard, and your hardness, as a good soldier would do, and your hardness. And your hardness, it means to suffer evil when it's necessary. You suffer evil with the people that are undergoing pressures and persecutions. And uh, take your your share of rough treatment if needed. And and frankly, the mission, the front line of France has not been easy at all, you know. But that's where God led me. I was born in France shortly after World War II. And I, uh, when I got saved, I came to America to get my training. Not only did God allow me to get, get excellent training here in America, but he gave me also a wonderful wife and a life companion, somebody who shared the same values, the same virtues in Christ. And I, uh, I thank God for my wife every day, every day. In my prayers, she can attest that. I thank God for her. But uh, enduring hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, in my case, meant, first of all, to joyfully overcome the pressures of the family. I was the first one saved in my family. In fact, in the city in which I lived, there were only two believers. Two other believers, I should say. We were three altogether. But uh, when, uh, when, when I told my parents that uh, God was leading me into full-time service, that I was going to prepare for the ministry. Uh, Parents, grandparents, uncles and aunts, and all kinds of people linked to the family, uh, near or far, uh, came and tried through various means to prevent me from uh, uh, coming, from leaving France to prepare uh, for the ministry at Pillsbury Baptist Bible College and then Central Seminary. And it was no idle threat when they said, we'll disown you if you do that. We'll disown you. You are no longer going to be part of the family. My family literally disowned me when on August 25, 1967, easy to remember, August 25, 67, I left for America. August 25, 1972, I was ordained uh, at at Calvary of Oak Forest, five years later. Uh, So uh, my family literally disowned me when uh, I left France for America on a one-way ticket and with $40 in my billfold. But faith, faith that God was calling me and that God 
would provide to my needs and lead me and open doors. Faith. Uh, family and many close friends forsook me, but God never did. God has been faithful all these years. Ever since I said, yes, Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe in you. Save me. God has been faithful. And, by the way, most of my family members who sat on that intimidating council and who disowned me came to Christ in time, got baptized. I had the privilege of baptizing my mom and other members of the family, and they became members of churches. God, start, God established in northeastern France, in Chonville, in Metz. And uh, I, I, I never failed to thank God for helping me at that time to say I ought to obey God rather than man. God is calling me. I will serve God. Uh, sometimes I, I, I think about if my decision had been otherwise, otherwise, if I had given in or give up, given up, where would my folks be? Where would my family be? A lot of them would have not would not have come to Christ at all. But praise the Lord, uh, God, they saw, my family saw that God was real for me, and praise God, the Lord became real for them too. So God's grace also provided to, to my basic needs upon arrival in Owatana, and I remember it was 100 degrees uh, humidity was 100%. Uh, I was literally glued to the sidewalk, you know, and I asked people, is it always like that? And I said, no, no, just wait two months, you'll see. And, I've, and it's true. Well, when the winter came, it lasted for four or five months. I saw more snow than I wanted. You know? But g- God's grace provided to my basic needs. When I arrived in Owatonna, I was swiftly enrolled at Pillsbury and uh, rapidly got a job and paid for my, for, for my bills. And God never failed me. He always provided to my needs. Let me mention another example of God's faithfulness because that's what it's all about, God's faithfulness, God's fatherly care. If we, if, we, if we entrust him with our life, and there's no B plan, you know, God takes care of us. During the summer of 1971, I, I was about to enter my senior year at Central Seminary. I asked God to open uh, specific doors of service. My purpose was to devote the two weeks of, of vacation I had to serve the Lord full time. And God's faithfulness was again at work, but tested me also. I had two weeks of vacation paid by my boss. And uh, very quickly, I was offered to become a missionary's preacher, not for one week, not for two weeks, not for three weeks. Make, let's make it short. Seven weeks. Seven weeks. 
Lord to many could have been our response. Not so. Uh, we had prayed God to open doors. God opened doors wider than we thought, but he opened them. And so uh, we prayerfully accepted, Bernice and I prayed over that, we prayerfully accepted the task, although my boss could not ensure me that the job would still be available in the fall when, when I would come back. And brethren, let me share that with you. God's faithfulness is unfathomable. It cannot be incommensurable. It cannot be measured. Not only during that summer, I rejoice in seeing scores of youngsters and young people make crucial decisions to serve Christ. Uh, uh, And I met afterwards some in the pastorate or on the mission field. But in his goodness, in his goodness, God provided as much support from the offerings of the youngsters as if I had worked full-time for Minnesota Fabrics for two months. Furthermore, I got my job back in September. Do I need to state that I earnestly, earnestly believe in God's providence We have a Heavenly Father. We call him Father. He takes care of us. I do so because of God's nature. He's reliable. Because of his promises. And then also because he gave me hundreds, nay, thousands of proofs of his care toward me and toward Christians. Now, the pastors that were involved in the seven weeks of camps I mentioned, including those of Camp Joy, and that's where I met Dr. Schroeder, Camp Joy, 1971. That's where I met Dr. Bumpus of Bethel Baptist Church and other pastors of Illinois. Uh, Pastors involved in the different camps of that summer invited me in due time to come present my burden for France to their churches. And there again, I saw the amazing design of God. That's not chance. That's not hazard. God is paving the way for us. But just imagine, only five months after getting my degree from Central Seminary, I was flying to France to do the ministry with my wife. And by then, we had... Two boys. One was just a baby. But, uh, and by the way, we have uh, four children, two, two of whom are in the ministry, and we have 16 grandchildren, and we have one and a half great grandchild. I said one and a half because the one is on its way. We're waiting to see if it's a boy or a girl. We'll rejoice in either. But God has been good. Um, do you, we uh, flew back five months after getting my degree. Only God could do that. I could not. I could not do, uh, get the necessary support to go to the field, but God did it. And uh, Bernice and I still marvel today at the way of God provided to our needs then 
during the phase of preparation and thereafter. But understand this. I'm committed as a soldier of Jesus Christ. Aye, aye, sir. Aye, aye, Lord Jesus Christ. I'm committed. I just submitted to the head of the church, Jesus Christ, to serve him overseas, no matter how fierce the battle would be, no matter how difficult things could, be, could become. I knew I was going on the front line. I, I knew it would be a spiritual warfare in France with people that lean toward atheism, people that lean toward wrong religions and so forth. And I, but I, I fully relied upon Christ, my commander-in-chief, and to lead me in the battle and to lead me in battle fully equipped. When you're a soldier, you get, you, 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 you get your uniform, you get your, what, what is needed to do the job. And Christ does the same thing. I'm a soldier of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ provided to my needs. And, and uh, fully equipped. This being the case, none of the affairs of this life got me entangled in mundane concerns. The, the, the whole logistic of missions belonged to the Lord. And I, had, I made no B plan, no different plan if God failed me. And for five decades, God's perfect plan kept on unfolding before our very eyes. Bernice and I, therefore, cheerfully attest of the veracity of the conditional promise uh, Christ offered in Matthew 6.33. You know that promise. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and, and all these things, these things will be added unto you. Now, God's faithful protection was evident when we came into enemy territory. Northeastern France. Northeastern France in the early 70s was in a shamble and uh, very hostile to uh, Christianity. The province uh, where God led us, the province of Lorraine, that's northeastern France, close to Germany. In fact, the first church we established was 20 miles from uh, Luxembourg, uh, 30 miles from Belgium, 30 miles from uh, Germany, and a little further down on the east, uh, there was Switzerland, but the, the northeastern corner of France. And the province of Lorraine was a spiritual desert most missionaries avoided altogether. When you looked at the map of France and tried to establish where the missionaries were working, you, you could see southern France, you could see small pockets, uh, in Paris, around Paris, but uh, very, very none, none really in the northeastern part of France. In those days, what could, one could drive, I'm talking about the 70s, one could drive through the province of Lorraine for hundreds of miles and not find a single Bible-preaching church. In Shell Lake, in Shell Lake, where we are now, I already discovered uh, a dozen churches that preach the gospel. And it's a city of 1,300 people. 
There, there were millions of people, and you couldn't find any single church. Major cities with thousands of souls had no gospel witness whatsoever. Why was Lorraine, the province of Lorraine, sidelined that way? Well, first of all, I would say, and I, I, the ominous side guys that the spirit of the time of the people in that area. Uh, the Communist Party was dominant. The Communist Party was quite vocal. A lot of people voted for them, and the Socialist Party was very close behind. So people were on, totally on the left, uh, believing, you know, the, the teaching of Marx, you know, that religion is the opium of the people. In Lorraine, there were a lot of people thoroughly misguided who openly claimed to be atheistic, anti-religious, and some of them even said anti-American. And God placed us with the challenge of reaching the people in that area with the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, paradoxically, may I share that with you, none of the Marxists I encountered had ever read the gospel. So, as a primary task, we prayerfully gave out several thousands of gospel, uh, copies of the Gospel of John, challenging people to discover for themselves who Christ was, his life, his teaching, the good news he brought from heaven. Then, in our follow-up, we would inquire of them if they had read, if they had at last discovered what true Christianity taught and, and brought, instead of relying on hearsay or some grievances with the Catholic Church, some did. If not, we would propose to outline to them the gospel right then and give them the fundamental teaching of Christ uh, good news. And by God's infinite grace, people got saved, including several former communist members, and some were militant in the party. In 1977, the Église Baptiste Church of Chonville was biblically organized. Unquestionably, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. None of my philosophical arguments could have helped them. But the word of God touched their hearts. Never have I been tempted to substitute human schemes, human ideas, human notions to the detriment of a faithful proclamation of the God's word. Biblical truth with compassionate prayers undergirded our ministry. And I'm talking about your prayers. I'm talking about our prayers. To this day, I remain convinced that the teaching of the New Testament is timeless and universal in its significance, its scope, and in its effectiveness. Man cannot improve what God has revealed and what God has set up with the gospel and the church of Jesus Christ. God's faithfulness, that's where we have to enter into, in letting God express his faithfulness to us, uh, toward us. God's faithfulness was also manifest 
When the church in Chonville, Chonville was a city of about 150,000 people, close to the borders I mentioned before. And uh, the church outgrew its rented facilities, and time had come to purchase property suitable for Christian meetings. Now, they are hard to find in Europe, you know, hard to find. Uh, one was found, and uh, I, I, I cannot give you all the details, but through prayers and uh, interaction with a bank that was owning uh, a, a building, the initial price was wonderfully cut by two-thirds, 66%. I cannot do that, but God can do it. He convinced the bank to let us buy that building, and they lost 66% of that on that sale. The church was thus able to pay cash because it had put money aside toward a building. They paid cash for the property, not one, not one penny coming from America. The French did it. You know, I always challenge you to live by faith. I do the same thing for the French believers. They have to learn to live by faith and trust God. They have the same God. They're not there to always extend their arms and say, give, 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 give. This is, a, this is a plague in missions, I think. We don't let the people trust God uh, and see what God can do through them. Before the church could do that, however, a new challenge needed to be overcome. And there again, God's faithfulness intervened. The Communist City Hall of Thionville argued that the area in which the building was located was restricted to small companies, to businesses, to trades. So I met with the Communist Mayor of Thionville, and based on the text of, local, of the local, uh, local urbanism, I proved to him that his understanding was faulty, for there was one little word that made quite a difference in the text. I showed the mayor that it did not say that that area was exclusively for the uh, businesses and the uh, trades and so forth, but it was primarily, primarily. And lo and behold, the communist mayor of Thionville agreed with my exegesis. So the church was able to buy that property, and uh, praise the Lord, to this day, the church of Thionville brings a vibrant testimony locally and sends out missionaries and so forth. It's doing exactly what all churches should be doing. Confidence in God's faithfulness is crucial. God, God. So bow down, pray, bring your needs. Before you, before you put your needs on, on the internet, start kneeling, start talking to God. Ask him to, to do what is needed in your life. Now, confidence in God's faithfulness was also uh, crucial in fencing off the subtle attempts by the Church of Rome to undo our ministry. 
Now, Catholicism has been a foe in France. They have persecuted Christians for centuries and got a bad reputation because of that. The battlefield where the Lord had led us, namely Lorraine, but Alsace is part of it too, was the only part of France under that sinister union of church and state, which is called Concordat. It's an old treaty that was signed, I I believe, under Napoleon and the Pope. And uh, the victory of France with the Allies in World War I, 1914-1918, and the subsequent return to France of lands um, the Germans had taken over in 1871 under Kaiser Wilhelm, and Otto von Bismarck, the chancellor, uh, these areas were returned to France, and instead, instead of having these, that area again under French rules, uh, they, uh, they made hybrid laws and kept the concept of union of church and state in Alsace and in Lorraine. What does it mean? It means that under the Concordat, are considered as official denominations the Catholic Church, the Lutheran Church, the Reformed Church, and the Jewish faith. What does it entail? It means that the various ministers of these bodies are paid by the state. They are federal employees. They are paid by tax money. And they are also appointed with the approval of the state. Can you imagine that? Your pastor having to, you having to have your pastor approved by the state? The upkeep of the church buildings of the official denominations comes from state money because the buildings belong to the state. Well, what about Baptist churches? Well, churches such as ours simply, were simply non-entities in the eyes of the government and in the eyes of the population. You're not an official religion. None none of these non-official churches could open a bank account, nor have a postal box, nor even support a pastor. Thus, a a, a staunch administrative wall blocked the growth of independent churches. We prayed, we prayed, we prayed, and we told people this is not the way to do things. You know, it should be be freedom of uh, religion. And things remained that way until 1987 when some aspects of the law connected to the Concordat were successfully challenged through cases involving Baptist churches. Uh, the matter went all the way to the French Supreme Court. Uh, the outcome was a great one, a great one for Baptists. It was decided that unofficial religious bodies could henceforth legally function as churches, even though the states denied them any money coming from the state. And truly, as a Baptist, by conviction, I said, praise the Lord. We do not want money from the state. We want to maintain separation of church and state. 
especially we do not need state interference in the designation of our Baptist uh, pastors. You know? So the Church of Tronville, the Church of Mass, where I had labored with, alongside with uh, Brother Mumford, were immediately incorporated and were then allowed to function as churches. But the enemy never, on the mission field, on the front line, the enemy does not easily capitulate. And the freedom that we gained was quickly challenged by the Church of Rome. The local priest in Thionville tried time after time to make local authorities close our facilities unsuccessfully because we were on our knees and asking God to intervene. And the priest then thought it was his duty to somewhat annihilate the impact that our churches were having through Bible studies. And the priest presented counterproductive... I, I, I analyze that. And I, I analyze things that way. Counterproductive studies. Why do I say counterproductive? Because his purpose was basically to deny that the Bible was truly the Word of God. And he said, this is a myth, and that is a myth, and you shouldn't believe this, and you shouldn't believe in creation, and you should not believe in that. And so he had counterproductive Bible studies. But there again he failed. People kept on studying the Word of God, and with the due respect it deserved. Then the headquarters of the Church of Rome in Metz, in the city of Metz, the bishop, complained to us, Gene Mumford and myself, over tracts which had been handed out in, in the Metz area. My colleague, Gene Mumford, was, had to explain to the national police the content of one of the, of the Bible tracts that were handed out. As for me, I personally had the to answer pointed questions from a French, French service equivalent to your CIA. <laughs> oh, I prayed, you know, before I went there. Uh, before I could legally, legally hand out gospel and Bible tract. And there again, God's faithfulness never allowed our, the adversaries, political, religious or otherwise, to muzzle us. And the pioneer works in Chonville and in Mass rightfully developed into independent, fully autonomous, self-supporting, self-propagating, and self-governing congregations in enemy territory. And today they pursue that task of evangelism at home and abroad, and I praise God, and you have a decisive part in that. Now, God's faithful encouragement came along in allowing us to have also what I call easier fields of service, easier, uh, amazing response sometimes. In, in, in God's service, it, it is pleasant to deal with easier situations than the ones I just mentioned. You know, uh, rather serve in a place like Thessalonica than Corinth or Galatia. 
And I, in God's service, we, we are, for us, one such easy field drove us across the border into Germany. I simply responded to the plea of a certain Sergeant York, married to a former college roommate of Bernice, a plea to come help him start an independent Baptist church near the airbase, Hahn Airbase in Lautzenhausen. Uh, so on Sunday afternoons, I would drive to nearby Germany, go calling with Sergeant York, York and then preach to a gro growing group of U.S. servicemen, and then there were added a few Germans, German people. Uh, and God blessed, and God blessed so exponentially that within less than a year, there were enough baptized believers to formally structure the Grace Independent Baptist Church of Buchenwalen near the Hahn Air Base. And military converts proved to be wonderful people, well-disciplined believers, uh, consecrated, generous Christians. And just imagine my enthusiasm when a pastor was called from the U.S. to lead the new church. In turn, that church, Grace Independent Baptist Church, in turn, uh, they kindly took us on as their first missionary. True, there have been much traveling from France to Germany to do that ministry. It brought additional labor upon our shoulders, but God was faithful, and in my heart, still today, lingers. My heart is filled with unforgettable spiritual memories of God's goodness in that ministry in Germany. And my re reward was that God, God was honored. That will always be my foremost goal in life. Then an easier field was also the Church of Law in Picardy. That's uh, across France. You, you move from northeastern France. You go toward P the Paris area. And somewhere halfway, there's the city of Law. Believers of the Church of Thionville in northeastern France had witnessed to family members and friends living in that city of law. And uh, people, people uh, seemed to be open to the gospel. So I was, again, challenged to go there and to uh, bring uh, the, the gospel. People got saved, were baptized, including in the family of the, of, uh, the concerned, uh, concerned believers of Chonville. And uh, God was good. Later on, as God provided co-workers, and there again, God was wonderful because uh, through letters and uh, in my interactions with churches here in America, I would say, we desperately need help. There's so much to do and uh, too much travels to go from one place to another to, to bring the gospel. We desperately need help. God brought into our team several men, several men. And uh, the, uh, uh, it, it, was, it was a member of uh, Fort Baptist Church, uh, for Oak Forest Baptist Church, Calvary Baptist Church at that time, that came over the first, and then a seminary student from Pennsylvania who uh, came, 
And then uh, while I was preaching in the Church of Philadelphia, the pastor came forward. The pastor surrendered to go to the mission field, and we saw him on the field. He came. And so I, I, from that group of, uh, of uh, co-workers, I asked two of them to go to law and develop the ministry there. Now, the Church of Vernon, uh, your pastor uh, and his family went to Vernon. They know the church there. Near, it's in Normandy. It was started, it was developed into a self-governing, self-propagating, self-supporting uh, uh, independent church. And today, Pastor Doucette, uh, who got his training at the, our school, the IBBL, is the pastor, and the church is faring well. God, God is good to them. The Church of Mont near Paris was also develop, developed and is currently transitioning toward a, a, a pastor into a pastor-led church. So other missionary outposts also in France and other European countries benefited from our joint ministry. We were sent out by you. We were sent out by God, but with you as our co-workers. And God led us there and always provided what was necessary to conduct the task. We have often publicly and privately stated our thankfulness to the wonderful prayer warriors God raised here. You know, most of the churches that agreed to support our ministry in 1972 are still doing it today, like yours. Faithfulness. God was faithful and provided through faithful churches. Your prayers, your encouragements, the visit of your pastor and his family, uh, your, your sacrificial giving, your prayerful giving, all that, all that sustain us in being soldiers for Jesus Christ and preaching boldly the word across northern France from northeastern part of France to the west part of France. And uh, it also helped us consistently teach the whole counsel of God. And most importantly, our joint ministry, I believe, pleased God, honors God. And that's what we desire. That's what you desire, don't you? That God would be honored, that God would be pleased by his servants here and on the mission field. So, uh, in the remaining time, I'm 77 now. My wife stayed young. She's still 25. But uh, I'm 77. In the remaining time, God will grant me. I don't know how long. But I plan, and I've started doing it, uh, editing and publishing in French thousands, thousands of pages of biblical material, of theological studies, and things that are needed uh, by, the, by French Christianity in France and uh, in Africa, uh, in the Caribbeans. Uh, we, we have, we, the French have sent, the churches where we were involved, have sent missionaries to Africa and to the Caribbeans and to other parts of of the world. So you are extending your action through what has been accomplished on the field by your missionaries. 
but in the remaining time, that's what I want to do. And we settled in Shaw Lake. Everybody's flabbergasted when I say Shaw Lake, you know. We downsized from Paris area, 13 million, to Shaw Lake, 1,300. But it's quiet. I can work there. I can work very peacefully and uh, hopefully serve the Lord by extending my ministry beyond my lifetime. So let us joyfully serve God. Let us be confident that he's a benevolent father. He never let us down. If we just fully trust him, may we reverberate God's word in our being, in our Christian service. Now, again, I want to thank God first for his faithfulness, and I want to thank God for the privilege of having been connected to your church for 50 years on the front line of France. Bernice and I came to express that. We are deeply thankful. We'll never forget you. We keep on praying for your ministry here. And I know that your labor and our labor are not in vain. They're done for the Lord. They're not in vain. God will bless us. God will remunerate us. It's tough for a Frenchman to preach in English, you know? (laughs) But thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you, and I'm sincere in what I'm saying. I love you deeply. May God bless you. Uh, You have a mission field here, and there's a world to conquer for Christ. Amen? Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this time we spent together, and uh, we wanted to have an overview of your faithfulness toward us. And thank you, Lord, that you are a faithful. You're faithful to your promises. Uh, the Bible tells us that even if we are not, you will remain faithful. But we want to be faithful to you out of love because we want to worship you in this way. Thank you for the church here. Thank you, Pastor Betri. Thank you for his ministry and the ministry of the believers. May God, may you, God, be pleased with each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.